Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcast exists to equip you to know God and make Him known through text driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. Welcome to another episode of the Text Driven Podcast, where we're trying to provide you with resources to help you to live a text-driven life. And we're in the middle of a series entitled Distinctly Baptist. And we're looking at what it means to be a Baptist. I'm sure that you have heard that word Baptist used so many times in your Christian life. And typically, when you have thought of the word Baptist, you normally associate that with a type of church. For instance, maybe in your town, you have driven past a building that has a sign on it called the First Baptist Church. Maybe even the congregation in which you are a part of uses that word Baptist in its name to describe the type of church that it is. Possibly even you yourself have grown up as identifying your Christianity with being a Baptist. We typically use that word Baptist to refer to a denomination. Uh, For instance, just like we would speak of the Methodist Church or the Episcopal Church or the Presbyterian Church or maybe even a Catholic Church, we refer to a Baptist Church. But in our first episode of this series, we answered the question, what is a Baptist? And I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that episode because when we speak about being distinctly Baptist, we're not necessarily talking about a denomination or a convention. For instead, we are talking about a paradigm. For being Baptist is a paradigm, an acronym that helps Christians to think clearly about God's original design for the church. So any discussion on being distinctly Baptist should not begin with a date from church history. Being Baptist has less to do with an event in history, and it actually has more to do with a hermeneutic through which the church is understood. Therefore, over these next several episodes, we're going to look at the proposed acronym BAPTIST to help us see God's design for the church. Now, we talked about this in the first episode of this series, What is a Baptist? But just in case you forgot, here's the acronym in totality. The B in Baptist stands for biblical authority. The A in Baptist stands for autonomy of local churches. The P in Baptist stands for the priesthood of all believers. The T in Baptist stands for two ordinances, baptism and Lord's Supper. The I in Baptist stands for individual soul liberty. The S in Baptist stands for 
saved, regenerate church membership. And the T in Baptist stands for the two offices, pastor and deacon. Today's episode is going to focus on the first letter of the Baptist acronym. To be a Baptist is to affirm unequivocally that the Bible is the highest authority for governance personally and in the church. And to defend this notion, we're going to look at three questions. Question one, what is biblical authority? Question two, who is accountable to biblical authority? And then finally, number three, what is the connection between authority and practice? Well, let's begin. First question, what is biblical authority? When we claim that standing upon the authority of Scripture is an unequivocal landmark of being a Baptist, we are making a very important distinction. Certainly, we would have to concede that every mainline denomination, Catholic included, would affirm an authoritative position concerning Scripture. But therein lies the distinction. To be a Baptist is not to state that Scripture is an authority. However, to be a Baptist is to state that Scripture is the authority. This mark is opposed to the view that Scripture is an authority. See, Baptists are claiming that there is no authority of greater significance than God's Word. Scripture stands in first position above all else when it comes to matters of authority. Scripture is above opinion. Scripture is above tradition. Scripture is above creeds and councils. Scripture is even above church confessions. For Scripture is the final and first authority. Now, why should Scripture be placed upon such a pedestal that everything else is subservient to the authority of Scripture? Well, the answer to that question is simple. The author of Scripture is worthy of such authority. See, biblical authority is rooted in the claim that God is the author of Scripture. And there's two verses that attest to this truth, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 2 Peter 1, 21. Let's look at what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. We've quoted this verse often on the Text Driven Podcast, but listen to it again. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Do you see what Paul is saying in 2 Timothy 3.16? All Scripture... Every word 
of our Bible is breathed out by God. When you read your Bible, you are reading the very speech of God. Peter would attest to the same thing in 2 Peter 1.21, where he said, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We receive our scriptures, not because it is man's opinion, but because man wrote directly what God intended to be written. And the fact that scripture is in its very essence the words of God, that alone provides ample proof that any other writing, any other speech, or any other opinion would not have the same authority as Scripture. So let's consider for just a moment the overwhelming authority of God's speech. For instance, the opening pages of our Bible indicate that God's speech has authority unlike any other form of communication. All of creation comes into existence by the spoken words of God. Even the creation of man and woman occurred after a conversation among the Godhead, Genesis 1, 26. In Genesis 1 alone, listen carefully, the phrase God said is used eight times. The creative power of the voice of God is unmistakable. For when God spoke, that which did not exist came into existence by the very words of God. But not only is God's unmatched power demonstrated through his speech in creation, his authority is seen in the creation narrative as well. See, following each creative proclamation of God in Genesis 1, the Bible tells us that God named what he created. And God's naming of creation is seen in Genesis 1 through the phrase that's repeated, God called. See, God not only created by his speech, he also named his creation, which shows his sovereignty over creation. The very fact that God not only created by his words, but named his creation shows that he has authority in his speech. Now let's think about this practically for just a moment. Uh, maybe you and your wife have children, and the doctor came to you as soon as your child was born and asked you the question, what name should be put on this baby's birth certificate? Well, the reason why the doctor asked you that question is because the doctor, though he delivered the baby, he does not have the authority to name the child, for that authority 
only rest upon the parents of the child. For that child was created by mom and dad. Now, in a greater way, God who created everything that you see, God who even knit you together in your mother's womb, he has the authority to name his creation. You see, through a brief case study, just of Genesis 1, we find that God's speech is powerful and authoritative. And biblical authority is recognizing that God's word is worthy of supremacy due to the fact of who his author is. Therefore, we have an obligation to God's word. Now let's consider the second question. Who is accountable to biblical authority? If we were to speak into an empty room and command that an object appear, we would look quite foolish. Our speech is not authoritative like the speech of God. God is able to speak into existence that which did not previously exist. We call that ex nihilo, for God created out of nothing with his very breath and words. And we see this authoritative power through creation. Genesis 1, we just spoke about that. So therefore, due to our inadequacy to command authority like God, we are left in a position of being accountable to God and what he has said in his word. That which is created is accountable to its creator. Every person is accountable to God. You are accountable to God. I am accountable to God. The President of the United States is accountable to God. Your neighbor is accountable to God. The person at the grocery store that you see in the aisle buying groceries as well is accountable to God. The students at your child's school, the, your child's teacher, every single human being is accountable to God. No one is excluded from being accountable to God. But before we discuss what accountability, accountability looks like from a ecclesiological standpoint, that means the doctrine of the church, we need to discuss accountability soteriologically. That's dealing with the doctrine of salvation. So soteriologically, every man, woman, boy, and girl is accountable to God. We have a moral accountability to him. Now, there's only one problem, though. The Bible teaches that we are all sinners. Paul wrote in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
And the fact that by nature we are sinners actually produces a serious dilemma. And that dilemma is that we are morally bankrupt. We are morally depraved and destitute. And we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And due to our sinfulness, we are incapable of pleasing God. Therefore, there is a positional chasm between us and God morally. God is holy. We are unholy sinners by nature. And his nature as holy and our nature as sinners makes our relationship with him irreconcilable unless an intervention occurs to change our nature as sinners. Now, thankfully, by God's good grace through faith, he has made the way available through Christ for sinners like you and me to be reconciled to him. God's reconciliation of us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, allows for us to submit to God's authority as explained in his word. So now, joyfully, we can be in right relationship with God, submitting to his authority in the Bible. So hear me carefully. By God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we can be reconciled to God. Now, where do we learn that? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. How do we know that it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone? Well, we, we know that to be true, that we can be reconciled to God through Scripture alone. You see, the biblical authority of Scripture informs us of God's redemptive plan to reconcile sinners unto himself by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So in light of God's work for us through justification, we now in sanctification submit to God's authority as revealed in Scripture. And one clear area in which God has revealed his authority is through the structure and mission of a local church. See, Christians respond to biblical authority through their obedience to gather with other believers through what's called a local church. See, members of a local church are responsible to God for following his design 
for a church. I remind you again of Matthew 16, where, where God said, I will build my church. God's design for the church is provided to us in Scripture. So you could say a Baptist church, a mark of a Baptist church is a person is a church that is following biblical authority. So that brings us to our third question. What is the connection between biblical authority and practical application? See, it's one thing to know that God created the world by his speech. It's one thing to know intellectually that God's speech is powerful and authoritative. But let's think of this practically. What bearing does it have on you and me practically to affirm biblical authority? Well, biblical authority and practical application, listen carefully, meet together in one word. Are you ready? Obedience. God has made it clear that obedience is the practical response to a person who views Scripture as authoritative. Consider what Jesus said in John's Gospel. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, the parameters for Christian living come from Scripture. Our obedience to the Word of God is a demonstration that we actually believe the Bible is authoritative. I'm sad to say this, but there are many people who claim that the Bible is authoritative, but their obedience to Scripture is greatly lacking. There is no desire within their heart to follow what God's Word says. They'd much rather follow what they hear on the news. They'd much rather follow what they think is most important. They would much rather follow what their feelings or experiences tell them to do instead of following Scripture. If you claim biblical authority, that authority will be demonstrated through the obedience of one's life to the Scriptures. You see, if we view Scripture as the highest authority, then we have an obligation and a responsibility to obey what Scripture says. And God, listen carefully, God in His goodness did not leave us to fend for ourselves and figure out the best way to honor and follow Him. Instead, He revealed Himself to us. And He revealed Himself, He revealed to us what He likes, and what he dislikes. Therefore, to live for his glory means that we live in submission to what he says in his word. My friend, the starting point for being distinctly 
Baptist is to recognize our responsibility to biblical authority. A Baptist submits to no creed and no counsel. A Baptist submits to Christ alone as Christ has revealed himself to us in Scripture. Real simply, Baptists are text-driven because the text has and is the Word of God. No other authority shapes the personal life or the church life of a Baptist. Therefore, the first test to see if you are a Baptist is if you see and follow Scripture as the final authority for all matters of life and godliness. Biblical authority is critically important. It is the starting point for obedience to God. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Text Driven Podcast. For more resources like this one, go to our website, www.textdriven.org. And if you're ever in the Southwest Florida area, I'd love for you to join us on the Lord's Day for a worship service at Fellowship Church. You can find the times and locations for our worship services on our church website, www.fellowshipchurch.co. Until next time, know that we're praying for you to live a text-driven life. God bless.